You're listening to Bach to Bach, the podcast that opens up the world of classical music, one beer at a time. And we're here in Troy, New York, which is a big change from all our main. Big change. We are out of. We, we we've been doing enough of main beers. We've been meaning we're to go national, um, but we just keep keep reverting to main. So we we're actually in a place where uh, Kevin and I started playing classical music back in the day uh, at the Troy Savings Bank Music Hall. Oh, yep, we're nationally just, renowned for its acoustics. It's uh, it's beautiful. Have you been? Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's it's. So we actually, are here with... With uh, another Kevin. There's two Kevins. Which makes it easy. It makes it easy to remember. <laughs> uh, Kevin Mullen, who is uh, the uh, founder of uh, Rare Form Brewing Company uh, right here in Troy, New York. Um, it's beautiful. It, we'll post some pictures, but this this whole brewery, tasting room, everything is sexy. It's really sexy. Yeah, when you want to come to a place and just feel at home, this is, this is it. Um, Massive windows, great, tons of daylight, and, uh, and lots of wood. Lots of wood. And, and Edison bulbs. Oh, I love Edison bulbs. That's <laughs> the way to go. Um, and in just a few days, we're going to be leaving 2015 and uh, coming into 2016. 16, that's usually what comes year. after 2015. I was and 2016 is a leap year. Math, though. Extra day. Uh, is it? Yeah, February 29th. Oh it's your leap year this year. <laughs> so every four years. Every day is a school day. That's how. That's <laughs> every day is a school day. Um, and uh, great children's songs. No, you shouldn't. Okay. No. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be talking uh, about some pieces that just uh, help, help bring in the new year. No, no theme particularly, just, just these epic pieces that a lot of them, which you, you probably know and know quite well, maybe not the names of them, but you, you've heard them. Um, and like, they're basically celebratory. They, they feel like a celebration in some form, and usually that's due to uh, percussion and, and trumpet fanfares and, and things like that. If you're a horn player, if uh, or, or, or brass, or, or um, horn is brass, actually. Yes, that's, that's, you, that they are, they're, you usually, tell they're very horny, usually. <laughs> <laughs> hey. um, if, yeah, if, you, if you play brass or the percussion, this, this episode's for you. Kevin, did you play any instruments growing up? I did, I actually played the trumpet. Oh, this, when, is, when this is the episode. Stop. Uh, I stopped when I was a sophomore in high school. Why'd you stop? I don't know. <laughs> that, that's the time oh, that stop though, isn't it? Just yeah. I live with two trumpet players, and it's just, you know, so usually the person doesn't tell me if even, for what, you played for six years then, probably? Yeah. Okay, so, where trumpet players usually either obnoxiously loud or very conceited? Oh, don't talk about them that way. <laughs> oh, no! I'm just saying it's a general stereotype. If you talk to any classical musician, that's usually how it works. Well, Garrison Keillor's guide to Luther, Lutheran's guide to the orchestra talks about yeah. every personality with we'll every instrument. We have to instrument. go over that one episode. We will. Um, should we? Why don't, why don't we launch into the yeah, first so piece? Yeah. So this is. So uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Aaron Copeland. Uh, have not. Okay. So <laughs> if you did, <laughs> the if, newbie over here. Again, no, 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 that's no. fine because so if you were, grew up in the '90s, especially, uh, yep, or yep, if you yep. lived, you lived, if you lived in the '90s and watched TV, yeah. uh, the beef is what's for dinner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, yeah. That, that, that was Hoedown by, by Aaron Copeland. It was which, a classical piece. Which is part of, part of uh, a ballet, Rodeo, a ballet yeah. called Rodeo. Which is, uh, <laughs> which is conceded for, um, for Rodeo. Yeah. Um, and, Rodeo. <laughs> but Copeland was, was um, kind of the quintessential American composer. His, his pieces have a, a really kind of strong Western it's, feel. Oh, it's definitely Western feel for um, everything. And one of his most known pieces, which I got actually was lucky to play when I was in that Empire State Youth Orchestra, was the Billy the Kid Suite. So the story of Billy the Kid yeah. uh, through this whole piece. And you have the percussion. Uh, there's one scene where it's a uh, gun shootout, and it's all these snare drum hits. So it yeah, sounds yeah, like gunshots. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, but today we're doing, in, this, in the spirit, spirit of New Year, and, we're and do... celebration. Uh, so there's a piece called Fanfare for the Common Man that Aaron Copeland 
Copeland Road. Um, and it's basically, it's just brass and percussion, just yeah. major, these huge trumpet lines, heavy percussion to accent it. Um, it's just very um, fulfilling. Um, it's And then it has these lush sections in the middle, but it, on the start and finish of these in-your-face, powerful uh, accents. So really listen for... Um, how the melody line especially is passed around from the trumpets to the horns and then how percussion uh, really enhances that whole experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is a, this is Fanfare for the Common Man by Aaron Copeland.
Kevin was just talking during the break about um, how he uh, recognized that uh, rare from Kevin. Yeah, rare from Kevin. Yeah, there's two Kevin. Kev. Kev. I'm Kev. Kev. Yeah. Um, how he recognized that 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 piece, uh, which you guys at, at home. I'm sure most of you. If you did. haven't, then you've been sitting under a rock for a long time. Which I don't know how you do that, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm an idiot. You anyway. were just you were still hanging from Christmas, aren't you? I am. Uh, Bunch of beer and some Benadryl. That's that it. Set you off the rails, isn't it? <laughs> Unreal. But yeah, so you know, especially most of Aaron Copeland's works, whether you 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 may not be able to identify them by name, but by how they sound, you've heard them in somewhere at some point. Yeah, uh, films, commercials, um, just, just, just funerals. It's very, it's a very uplifting funeral, which I mean, it could be it's a celebration. Well, why not? Um, so, well, I think we have been getting a lot of information from from Kevin about rare form, but uh, we, we wanted to share it with you guys listening because um, this brewery really deserves to be to be visited by people who love beer. So, Kevin, do you want to tell us uh, tell the people listening uh, your origin story and how you came to be here in Troy? And sure, yeah. Um, so, when I was 17 years old, uh, I went to visit one of my brothers in college. And he wanted me to see what a college course was actually like. And so I picked one of them, which was chemistry. Came into the chemistry class, and the professor you know, walked down with his backpack, drinking his coffee, sat it down, and started explaining this entire process. And he would put a chair on the backpack on the table, a chair on the table, and just put other things on the table. And he'd take things off the table and say, this equals this backpack, and take the backpack off, and this book equals this. And finally, at the end of it, he took the book and his backpack down, and he reached out his backpack and put a beer on the table and said, we just made beer. I was like, holy, this is amazing. I didn't know you realized you could make beer. I thought you had to find someone 21 over to buy it for you, you know? Uh, so I was intrigued at that point. Uh, started, always wanted to brew from there. Started to brew a little bit. Um, first batches obviously were horrible. And then as I got a little older, started really getting focused in about 12 years ago or so. And started brewing uh, in when I was living in Colorado. Uh, worked at a craft beer bar. knew a lot of people there. Uh, I met my wife from Wisconsin. Uh, she loves craft beer, and finally we moved out to Seattle. Lived in Seattle for a few years. Great city. Yeah, really it's fantastic. City. Pacific Northwest is just amazing. And if you find a wife that loves craft beer, lock that down. Absolutely. You know, that, that's, that's a thing. You know? you're, you're set. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, and then uh, we moved out to Troy from Seattle for her master's, did her master's in painting, oh, cool. thinking that we had originally moved back out to Seattle or Pacific Northwest and opened the brewery out there. Right, right. Uh, and three years later, we decided to really put focus on and open it in Troy. I fell in love with the East Coast, and here we are. Troy's... Got it. For those of you who haven't been, Troy has the most magnificent old architecture. Um, a lot of it's still preserved, and it's it's kind of on the comeback, isn't it? It's Absolutely. Like, the last three years has been drastic changes. Yeah. It's and, incredible. And you guys had that, that feature with the New York Times article about the Troy yeah. revitalization that's happening. Yeah. Um, you know, and a few, a few places down here, we have you know we have a lot of small business opening, successful small business. They're embracing that that feel. Yeah. Um, and that that idea uh, while keeping a lot of the character. Um, definitely. I think that's a big part of it. It's getting a lot of the character. It's, it's definitely an artist community. Yeah. It's a walkable town. Yeah. Uh, and I and for small small businesses, it's perfect. I heard, I think this last year, there was 100 businesses that opened. No way. Jeez, yeah. And there's more that we hear that are planning. There's stuff happening right here across from us and place down the street. And it, it's uh, it's amazing. It's really blowing up. When you spend the time you, and you walk around, you know, Troy used to be just like Albany, you know, very scary. 
Troy yeah. was not not a place you'd want to hang out. That's the history that it has. Yeah. We see yeah. it when we go to beer events. People come up to us and they say, "Where are you guys at?" We're like, "Oh, we're in Troy." Yeah, I drove through there once, really quickly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And up until recently, that's been the well. And, and for those of you guys who don't know the upstate New York area, there's there's the Tri City area, which is Schenectady, Troy, and Albany, which were in their day titans of industry. There was a lot of money in this part of the state. Troy's the home of Uncle Sam. Troy's the home of Uncle Sam. Uh, Schenectady, uh, GE. Schenectady is the home of General Electric, which uh, all over the world, uh, look at your appliances, you probably have at least one GE appliance in your house. And then at different points, these cities kind of died overnight uh, and had a long period where they were dormant and a little, you know, a bit on the on the rough side. And now they're all starting to see uh, rebirths and, and kind of a renaissance. Absolutely. Um, quick question: You said when you were seventeen. I have no idea about the law. When, if you homebrew at seventeen, can you? Can you, is it legal for you to drink what you brew? I don't know, and I don't think I cared at that time. Cool. No. Okay, cool. cool. It, worked it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. I, I didn't know whether. Um, it's 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 awesome. So, what was the first type of beer you brewed? Um, the first type of brew or beer that we brewed, my brother and I, um, I believe it was a bad knockoff of some type of like Keystone Light, nice. and it was absolutely horrible. Keystone. My brother was Brystone, wow. so we called it. Brystone. Brian's, <laughs> we called it Brystone, but it was horrible. Um, and then obviously, you know, palates change when you're not 17. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, I mean, it's not watery tasting. You yeah. Know, you like, like the yeah. actual taste of beers rather than just. So, Jenny, Jenny Light. Jenny Natty Light. Oh, Ever had Natty Light? Yeah. Not Natty Bow. Yeah. Natty Bow is actually pretty good for what yeah, it is. Yeah, Natty Bow. Natty Light was a big college. It was a big beer in our college town. Have you ever yeah. had National Bohemian Natty Bow? Straight out of Baltimore. No, it's, it's tough. Like to no, find. It's, it, they don't really sell it outside of Baltimore. No, it, it, you can maybe get it in um, parts of DC and some bits of Virginia, but that's it. And it's, uh, there's, if there's, it, it's the best worst beer. Um, like at the bar when this was so six years ago, at the bar it was a buck seventy-five a bottle. That's amazing. And you can put if you take a lime <laughs> and put it in it, it's a Barona. That's um, a Barona. I didn't know like that. A Corona. <laughs> oh. This is what we got up to in Baltimore all those years. So. A hot but hot I will hot say hot. they had they yeah, had yeah, the yeah, best. Yeah. Oh, that's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. They had uh, they had the best uh, logo though. The guy with the mustache. And yeah. The monocle. Miss, Mr. Bo. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was yeah, awesome. We, you're thinking of uh, the peanut <laughs> guy. No, the monocle. He didn't have a monocle. He just yeah. had a winking eye. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, not like a whispering eye. Um, so um, <laughs> hopefully there's no kid, kids listening to this. No, show. they don't. They don't know what beer is. Um, but so, so when you got the, got the brewery started, um, uh, what was, at the, at the time, your flagship? What do you think to you was, or what was your flagship? What is your flagship beer? Um, well, we rotate quite a bit. Uh, you know, I think that some of the beers that were more well-known for, I guess, are not more well-known, but more popular for us besides... I mean, your IPAs, your double IPAs are always popular just because that's what's what's in right now. Uh, our Satan's Gut, though, is one that once we make it, it continually always kind of um, disappears. You know, So we're always trying to keep that in stock and in the fermenter so that we have some coming up to back up when it's the best ready to go. Now, it Satan's Gut, where you got the name from? Uh... Uh, well, I was a whitewater raft guide for a while in Utah and Colorado, and Cataract Canyon, which is... Uh, one of the largest whitewater rap- or rapid canyons there is in the North America. One of the biggest rapids is, is Satan's Gut, Big Drop 2, one of those in Satan's Gut. 
And so when I was creating the recipe, I was thinking a lot of like, you know, this this wrap and like what's there, what's a part of it. Uh, and I knew there was a lot of driftwood that comes through, so I wanted some wood flavors in it. Nice. Uh, I also know as, from being a boatman, there's a lot of boatmen that are in there. And in a boatman, there's two things. There's coffee and whiskey. So I wanted the three nice. flavors, the coffee, the whiskey, <laughs> and the wood. You do it in the, in the, the oak barrels, right? The whiskey oak barrels? Yeah, or, we'll, yeah, we'll come different ways. We'll have it in oat, like oat, uh, oat spirals to get it in there, and then we'll also do a bourbon, a barrel-aged type of version of it as well. Awesome. But... Yeah. So are you, are you always trying? Are you always trying to rotate it and keep it keep it new ideas coming through? Or absolutely, yeah. We're we're big about that. You know, we have three or four mainstay kind of beers. I'd say maybe five that we're we know, but they're coming to rotating through the seasons. And then you know our other lines are always rotating. We're playing around with a lot of ingredients, doing a lot of different stuff that we're interested in ourselves and that we want to do, what we want to drink. Awesome. That sounds phenomenal. That's great. So keep, we're keeping it in the idea of uh, stirring things up. We've been giving you I was a lot. just thinking the same yeah, thing. You. Yeah. Great. Sounds thing. Yeah. <laughs> we finish each other's sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've been playing a lot of classic repertoire for you. Just the, the, stand, the standbys. The standards, yeah. yeah. Um, Kevin brought up an idea last night before we, uh, when we were talking about what we were going to play today of a bit more modern uh, piece of music just to give you guys something exciting for yeah you. so basically uh, you know we, we talked our last episode with uh, with uh, Griffin and Darren at the Halo about you know soundtracks and that was John Williams you know, Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman which are modern soundtrack composers which we all know and heard but what in the classical world what's considered modern is pretty much like 1920 to now yeah um, and as time went on it got weirder and weirder um, kind, of there, like, kind of in step with the modern art world. You had to sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, one of my favorite things, uh, it's, it's on YouTube all over the place, but Yoko Ono did this art piece at MoMA where it was a white wall with a cutout of a white tree that's painted white on the white wall, a microphone, and Yoko Ono screaming sounds into the microphone. And that, that was the art piece. I love that woman. And there was another one at moment where they had 500,000 silver-wrapped candies on the floor, and you had to take one away, and by taking it away, it would form the art. I, that's called stealing, I think. I think in the words of Christopher Walken, it's crap. It's crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. So, but, but there's, like, there's so many modern composers. Um, you know, if, some of the big ones are, you know, are um, John Cage, uh, who, if you've ever heard, the, heard of the name... Uh, he wrote this piece called 433, where it's literally three movements of music of dead silence. It literally has timed amounts of time. It's four minutes and 33 seconds. Everyone comes out on stage with the instruments. With instruments, and, and you sit. <laughs> and that's it. And somehow that's music. I don't get it. It's but it's performed often. Um, but there is a composer, and I've done works by John Corleano and Tan Dune, and who's done some... Uh, Tan Dune did the soundtrack for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Ah, oh, that's right. Uh, but yeah. does a lot of modern composing. There's tons of it. Um, Chen Yi... But one that I love is a guy named John Adams, which is a great, a great, great name. Um, John Adams wrote this piece and finished it in 1986, which is my birth year. Love it. <laughs> so it's got to be good. Uh, totally uh, didn't write a good song that year. Can't be good. But it's, it's called Short Ride in a Fast Machine, and it's about four minutes long, and it has elements of being a little bit out there at times, yeah. but in the scheme of things, it was still really just... It fit the time period. It was. It was written. It was. It was. It sounded very cinematic. It had um, a lot of action to it. Uh, it. It's very engaging. Um, there's moments where you really have to kind of be open to listening to some really funky chords, but it's so freaking cool. Like, and you performed this with Empire State Youth Orchestra here yes. in Troy, 2002. Oh, 
I think of 2003. Yeah. So, come on, you're way off. <laughs> uh, but uh, so basically, you know, you're going to hear it's going to start off with it's going to start off with woodblock. So all I think of is Will Ferrell or Cowbell, <laughs> and then it goes to Cowbell later on. But it's just the I got a thing. fever. It's, I got a fever. <laughs> the only prescription <laughs> is more Cowbell. So, um, but you, you're saying ignore the woodblock. Yeah. So you're going to hear it throughout, and then it switches. Wood, it goes from woodblock to Cowbell, um, and, and later on, and so we can shut up. <laughs> and it's, it's, and it, as it goes on, it, it it that stays pretty much constant. The few times where it drops, um, drops a beat and comes back in, uh, but then there's all this other moving stuff. The clarinets have this crazy moving line. Um, the trumpets and and uh, trombones and horns have this repeated repeated line, and the tuba and percussion come with this huge part. Yeah. And the strings are doing this crazy thing. It's it's so cool. Um, but I need you to, to kind of just like. This is where if you have headphones, plug them in, or if you're driving, don't do that because that's dangerous. But otherwise, or, or blast it through the speakers and really get the full feel of this piece by John Adams. So it's called Short Ride in a Fast Machine.
It's so cool. <laughs> it's intense. I, I geek out really hard with that piece. That's okay. It's so much fun. And, and um, we were saying, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the modern stuff, but that, that I can get into. I can really Because it's still it. in the mainstream field. You, you, like, you can compare that to what you hear in movies. You can compare that to, to what you hear in the more mainstream classic, current classical music. You can see it being behind like a, 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 a fight on top of a train somewhere. That, that's a one cool train. Probably with Tom Cruise. Cool <laughs> or a fast machine. <laughs> I'm going to hit you. You got it. It's all right. When's the Benadryl going to wear off? <laughs> Never. Uh, so we, we've met uh, we've met and talked with a little bit about the background with Kevin uh, uh, from Rare Form, and we want to dive into the beers we're drinking because we're yeah we're the, the, the uh, porter I'm on is this is delicious. Well, let's, 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 let's start with the porter. So this is the, the Carras Porter, correct? Yeah. And uh, do you want to get a little bit of the background of, of where you got the name from, which yeah, well, yeah. Like, has its connection? You don't have to give your secrets away, obviously. Not the exact brewery recipe, but like just you know the background of. How it got discovered and the name sure. and everything. Sure. Um, well, our, our robust porter is kind of an, an ode to um, Kurt Vonnegut, who's one of my favorite authors, who lived in Troy for a while, wrote about it. In a lot of his books, he mentioned Ilium, which uh, is actually a pseudonym for Troy. And so while he was here, uh, wrote a lot. Um, obviously, most people know a lot of the books that he actually wrote here: Cat's Cradle, Slaughterhouse Five. Oh, yeah. He was a writer for GE. Uh, but we wanted to kind of like pull a little bit of our uh, where we've lived in the different places along with where we are now and that's what this beer came from is a robust porter which was a beer that I kind of first really got into when I was in Colorado tied in a little some of the ingredients from there also Seattle and then brought it into Troy and Kurt Vonnegut seemed like the perfect place for it perfect name for it just with the beer and and what cross means overall from you know uh, cat's house I'm sorry, from uh, uh, Cat's Cradle, uh, is, you know, that whole type of, you meet these people, uh, you might not never know, but they're in the circle with you for, for life, and there's something that pulls you together, and that's what we felt was really much like the city with us. Nice. That's a good, that's a good relatability to it. That's, and it's, um, you guys already know that I'm a huge fan of, of the dark stuff, and this is, uh, even though it's not the normal New York winter, this has a, it has that kind of comforting vibe to it. It's just really nice and and uh, and deep. I will. Um, I don't go know enough it. about beer to really put some adjectives with it, but I just yeah. really enjoy drinking. You it. get some like little uh, dark bitter chocolate um, coffee kind of essence with it, but it's it's balanced really smoothly and it, it's nothing sits out too much. It's all it really so subtle. Smooth. It is so um, smooth. That kind of plays around in every sip, especially as it warms up, even opens up more. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, because we yeah. This is I mean, if I'm always beautiful. if I'm like I don't drink dark beers and so, but if I do, I always go to a porter first, then to a stout. I, stouts are just too heavy for me. Have um, you had? You want to give that? I'll give it a try. I'll give it a guess. But oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, that's and you, really good. And you guys, that's do, really good. Do growlers and yeah. and and do you do bottles, cans? Do do? Uh, we don't do any bottles at this point. Uh, we've done one run of bottles for our one year anniversary, which was actually a coconut porter. Oh, aged right. in so sour nice. rum barrels and then blended back uh, with a new batch of the coconut porter called Dark Tropic, which is a fantastic Genius. beer. Awesome. And we uh, we had that bottle release and then, you know, that was gone. And so now we're actually starting our bottle membership club, too, which we'll start doing bottles like every couple of months. But that's about it. Coconut porters are like a great combination. It's it's uh, when we talk, talk with Baxter, uh, our second episode. 
Uh, yeah. that, that's, yep. that was the one that got the uh, the Great American. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they got the Great American right. Silver yeah. Silver Prize for for Coconut Porter, and it's just a it's, it's a perfect it's a that perfect one. combination. It's oh yeah, yeah. So I'm not looking forward to when this podcast goes into the summer because I feel like all the dark <laughs> stuff is going to vanish for a bit, and I'm going to just have to. Well, we'll just keep it really cold around you, at just you, so that you can the comfort. <laughs> well, it of, will be in May. Porter. I mean, it, it, it will be May. <laughs> May and July, you have to start to wear a but, what about uh, let's talk about yeah so this is the ripple effect so you're you one you normally have or you have had is the, is the Cascadia am I saying yeah yeah so we kind of rotate through a different a few different double IPAs uh, right now in this type of season we go with what's our ripple effect uh, eight, they're all right around 8% this is 8% um, a lot of kind of an ode to Cascade hops with a nice smooth balanced uh, malt background backbone to it uh, then in the summer we do what's called a Saturday, we call it Saturday Sun, uh, which is a double IPA. I guess all of them are double IPAs, but this one is a lot of Calypso and Chinook uh, mm-hmm. hops. And then our more as we're going into fall, that type of period, we do Cascadia hops. Or Cascadia, which is actually 8.8%, focused on some Cascades wow. and Centennials. But again, really smooth. It's almost, it's a little more uh, amber than this one is with a, a more of a solid, almost like calm roll uh, backbone to it, nice. but balanced really well. Can I give it a go? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So you know, if you listen to our, so our last episode we did where we talked about Bissell Brothers, they, they really are proud to have oh, their, good. have like oh, their, cl- their IPA to be musky and cloudy, yeah. like, and like be, you know, and actually have like the, the Pete had a little bit of hop still in his, in his beer a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but, you know, this is, this is clear. It's very drinkable for the percentage, you know. Um, it's um, Where did you get the name Ripple Effect for for this one? Um, you know, we were actually just kicking around some ideas when we were brewing it. And my wife and I were going back and trying to come up with some different names, get an idea for what it was. And it's actually kind of a funny story to it because when we brewed it, the day that we brewed it and the day that we actually, re- I guess the day we released it, was um, the same day that uh, was Back to the Future Day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so we were laughing because we released it, and then they talk about ripple effect and how ripple effect affects time change oh, and yeah. you know, like that. And we're like, nice. this is a perfect day to be that's releasing our ripple effect. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Was that, 10, was that 1021? No. Uh, it was after it was, we... It was, yeah, it was... 1020. I think it's 1021, 1026 or something 10, like 20, that. 1026, yeah. Because we 10, 20, released 16, that 15. photo. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. We did that photo. Someone on the internet, some inspired person had superimposed the head of Johann Sebastian Bach on top of Marty McFly in the poster so we did, so we did Bach the future the there, there are so <laughs> many stupid so Bach puns we're finding more and more it's really great uh, but you have now how many do you have consistently uh, rotating like on, on draft uh, you know we're, we're we have 14 draft lines two of those are nitro uh, so 12 lines and we're anywhere from 8 to 12 beers uh, and out of those 8 to 12 let's say only four are pretty permanent, and the rest are always rotating. And are you looking to, to bottle or can in the future? Yeah, we're actually going to be bottling. Uh, we're looking at, right now, we're actually starting a bottle membership club that's going to be uh, ending relatively soon. We're doing pretty good on that. But uh, we'd like to bottle more, maybe do some cans as well. Uh, but that's... And, and is it in any local restaurants and bars, uh, Rare Form? Yep, absolutely. You can get Rare Form at... From Albany, Troy, Saratoga, Adirondacks, all the way down to a handful of places in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. yeah, we go. Yeah. Fantastic. So this is, uh, we'll plug it a lot more at the end, but also if you want more information on, on the brewery, uh, go to the rareformbrewing.com. Um, all one word, 
Super cool site. We were on it all last night. Right. Oh, right. So, so we're, we're gonna we're, and we'll talk a bit more about what we, what but we discovered on that. It's after and the after the very next piece. Next piece and more beer. But um, this uh, this one we all know. We all know whether we realize it or not. And I can never pronounce it right because I always suck. Do you it. want me to do it? You go for it. Um, so well, this by hold on. It's by Richard Strauss, who is different than the other the, the other Strauss, Johann Strauss. Yes. Yeah, this is for like you know it best from two thousand one, a space odyssey. Yep, it is the theme to that. So, in fact, uh, Kevin brought it up earlier when we were talking about when we played the opening to Copeland. Um, it, it reminded you of of that piece. Yeah. That, that yeah. So um, the name in German is also Sprache uh, Zarathustra, which comes from the Nietzsche book Thus Spake There the Zarathustra. Um, you could have known like an easier name. Like seriously, it's it's such a cool thing. Just make it easier. Nietzsche, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing is, simple. Uh, he does it simple. There was a great bit of bathroom graffiti I actually saw, which was "God is dead, Nietzsche," and then beneath it was written "Nietzsche is dead, God." <laughs> that was quite good. Anyway, um, but this was this was written. Let's see. So it's, this was written eighteen ninety six. So just shy of one hundred twenty years ago. Uh, right there so we go. That's so before the twentieth century. Uh, but it doesn't sound it. That's the thing about it. It does not sound... Especially when you listen to it in uh, side context. by side with people like Copeland and, and that sure, kind of Sure, but then also when you put it in context of a movie, like the best way to compare it is, is a space launch. Like it's, it's used in 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, that's a good point. Hit it. And, you know, we didn't play the whole thing. We gave you a little a snippet of it because otherwise you'd be here forever. It's, uh, a, it's a half, 30 minutes long, it's right? It's more than that, I think. But right. uh, it's it's in crazy intense. Um, it has such a wide range of emotions. But just that opening line is what we know best. The, the yeah. trumpet line. Um, uh, and then it just, it just builds up more and more. And has such a range of emotions in one piece. And that's what Strauss, along with all those romantic composers at the time, were really all about. Like, showing every kind of emotion in one kind of piece yep. and, and really exploring that. But enough about Strauss. We're moving on. We're, we're going off from that. Uh, we're going back to beer uh, and, and, well, and the rare, well, rare for brewing. But they, they do some pretty awesome things that not a lot of breweries do. Um, and one thing I wanted to, to talk to Kevin about was the, uh, the, the use of the artwork for the labels of the, of the, of the beers. 
Um, they're all they're all so very different. They're all yeah. There's there's I like there's no consistency. There's nothing really similar about each one that it gives them makes them all very distinct. Because well, we spotted it last night on the website, yeah. uh, and then and then there's that whole section you have as well about yeah. uh, about the different artists you bring in. Um, do you want to tell the guys what you told us about? Uh, the, the sure, that. absolutely. Um, so a lot of our work is done uh, either by my wife or by friends of ours from places that we've lived or artists that we've known from somehow a period in our life. And a lot of the fun for me as well as some of the art is we'll uh, have an artist and we'll know like what their favorite beer is or we'll know what they like and to enjoy to drink. Yeah. And then I'll start to work with them and we'll actually build the recipe around what they like and around their art and we're kind of in a collaboration between the artist and myself to um, come up with this new beer and then we'll release that with the beer which kind of is it's really interesting but it's also for me it's a little more fun of um, being able to put away put regulations or put rules into uh, the recipe formulation yeah and, and also for, for the artist it's kind of cool to have a personalized almost personalized beer for them yeah kind of uh, yeah, can they fun. can people buy the art as well if they like if yep. they see something they yeah like. absolutely we sell the posters and all the profits from the posters goes actually go back to the artist really cool yeah that's fantastic so as, as you walk into the brewery there's and uh, to the tasting room there is a um, uh, there's a wall with with the, the Carras Porter, the one we, I was drinking before, love the poster for that. But then um, Kevin was just saying there's a, there's a whole load in the bathroom as well, which we have yet to check out. I'm sure after the, these beers are done, we'll record we'll, the rest we'll of the, the podcast in the bathroom. <laughs> it'll be very very. We should do an episode in the bathroom at some point. Just, just it depends on the bathroom um, you choose. But the that could be iffy. It could get really. <laughs> Um, not only do you access um, artists as well, but we were seeing that you bring in local home brewers. Uh, to Absolutely. How, how does that work? Uh, we have a, what we call our scale-up program, and what that entails is having almost in a way like a little small homebrew competition. But we invite homebrewers to bring in their their beers, whatever. There's no restrictions, no regulations. They bring it in. We go through and taste them and decide which one we think is the best beer out of all of those. And then I work with the, the brewer or the home brewer. That sometimes it's four, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's one person, two, three people, uh, and build up the recipe. And then we invite them in, and they get to brew with us that day, and then we put it on tap. Yeah. How many how, how many have you been through now so far? Uh, we, we had the intention of doing it every uh, quarter. Uh, we've done two so far, but we've been restricted by our own capability and capacity of fermentation space yep. uh, so we're waiting now this winter we'll be doing our third one which we're excited about how do how far away do folks come for this is it mostly local folks or is it uh, so far the first group that won was in Troy the second group was in Syracuse uh, but we get submissions that get shipped from us from as far as North Carolina oh, wow. right. uh, so it's it's exciting I think people are just willing to kind of get a chance to brew and our system's not very big we're only a five barrel brewing system yeah. which is kind of nice uh, but uh, it still gives them a little option to the opportunity to get, learn a little bit more do you guys want to stay this this size for a long time or do you or do you do you have plans to eventually expand it? no that's a great question we're uh, you know at some point we'd like to be able to make more beer we're we're surprised at being a year and a half old that we're already pretty much maxed out with our capacity and you know when we started Right after one year, we had we added two ten barrel fermenters to this to it, uh, and now that's still not enough. So we're wow. we're trying to keep up with uh, production and build to still build to do what we want to do. Is it easy to find that equipment? Because I, I um, we were talking to Luke Livingston, who was saying there's now something around four thousand microbreweries yeah, in the U.S. alone. So crazy. Is the equi- is is the 
the supply, keeping up with the demand for equipment and, and supplies? Not really. I'll tell you, if you want to make money, that's the place to get into right now. It's manufacturing yeah. brewing equipment. You heard it here it's, first. It's, 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 a new, it's a new thing. The It's it's not only what's in, but it's it's what... I don't know how to describe it. It's, uh, I was it's, reading there's a can shortage now because a lot of breweries have turned to cans. Um, it's pretty crazy. I mean, just when you think about a brewing system, you know, like if you want to order a brand new brewing system, which you pretty much will have to do because if you get a used one, you're buying it like the day that it goes on sale. But if you want to get a new one, then you're putting the money down and you're waiting a year to get that thing built and, and delivered to you. Yeah, wow. So you got you really do have to look, at, look yeah, ahead. absolutely. Wow. It's uh, it's it's incredible though how many beers you do have available and, and yeah yeah and like what what you're able to put out it's, it's fantastic and it's such a such an array that you you cover every palate you know you, you know with the, with the Scottish with with the IPAs with the, the stout with the porter yeah we like to play around a lot I mean you'll see like we you know we have your your porting our stout but we've also got a porter with sweet potatoes and molasses uh, we've got uh, a saison with plum plums and chocolate nice. Um, uh, you know, we have some sour barrel-aged beers in there. Uh, it, it's just nice to devil in a lot of uh, different stuff. So that's what we enjoy. What, what's your favorite? What's uh, if that's you always a one? hard question. I, I think whatever it is is the newest beer that I'm brewing. I'm excited about. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what is that right now? Uh, we're actually brewing a collaboration with a, a friend of ours, a brewer, um, Hutch, uh, who's been at multiple different breweries. Uh, on Monday, which is going to be a juniper lemon pale ale, Whoa. so that's uh, that's that's what I'm really excited about. I never even thought about using juniper. I always just associate juniper with gin, and I never really think about how it's transferred to you know some, just some great characteristics that come from that. And then also, uh, well, Hutch is now at the CIA uh, brewery in which is Culinary Institute of America, part of Brooklyn down there. Well, actually, it's not a Brooklyn but Brooklyn brewery, so part of that. And the you know the chefs were talking to him about how well. Lemon goes with juniper, so I think that's one thing that's really exciting about. I've done juniper beers before, but I haven't done a lemon juniper. With lemon, before, so. that sounds great. Maybe awesome. I am excited about summertime to come around. I take that back. A lot of the crap beers come out in the summertime, as far as macabreweries, you know, and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, all, all those lemonade ones uh, yeah. that that are just way too sweet. There, you want to have that sweetness to a beer, but not overpower. Yeah, you don't want to get type. It doesn't want to be yeah, smeared on ice. Back, you don't yeah. want that. Yeah, you don't want twisty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, it's it's incredible what's what Rare Room's doing in such a short amount of time, and uh, and it's awesome to be here and doing our podcast here because this is also putting us outside of Maine for the first time. Yeah, we're we're out of our out of our home waters, and we we, we looking uh, looking into to Rare Room last night. We saw that they're throwing a New Year's gig, and we got all excited. And then we realized very quickly that that New Year's gig was sold, sold out. out. <laughs> and, but it tied in nicely because it was called a, a 2016 A Beer Odyssey, which, which tied into the Strauss piece we just listened to. So and Kevin was saying that that's, that's the, uh, the piece he had in mind with when, he, when he heard Copeland come through. And with New Year's coming up, one of the most epic pieces, which is commonly used well, yeah, for Fourth of July. Fourth of July, but, it, but it's, a, it's a celebratory piece. It's, it's a piece that was actually designed to be used with church bells and cannons and fireworks. All at the same time. Yeah, which, which kind was of Was it with the fireworks used, too? Uh, the the no, Boston, Pops, Boston one. Pops. So you guys have, I guarantee you have all heard this one. It's the 1812 Overture by Tchaikovsky. Um, it was, we've heard it most of the time on July the 4th. 
um, which is when it was first made famous in 1974, I think, with the Boston Pops. Mazel yeah. made he he uh, arranged for it to be done with church bells and cannons and fireworks, and all that's queued up at the same time. And it, everybody finally decided, yeah, all the all the orchestras in the. But US. it was written to have originally to have cannons in it. That and, wasn't and church like bells, a and decorative church bells. and church bells. It wasn't just like a decorative um, edition. And we're gonna get to why it was written, but then never. Never actually performed with that till later. Right. The, um, but then after that, every orchestra in the nation kind of thought, "Well, we are way behind our game." So everyone kind of started doing the same thing. Um, the origin of it, Tchaikovsky obviously was was writing in the late 1800s, um, and most people think when they hear 1812 Overture, first wrongly that it celebrates our quote unquote victory over the British in 1812. First of all, the war didn't end until 1814, and it wasn't a victory. It was the Treaty of Ghent. They were kicking our ass. And um, basically, the British said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're basically a fly in our side. We've got we've got Napoleon on our doorstep. You, you guys can have you. I love that you know this stuff. You I guys can have you crappy colonies. Um, and we're, we're sitting there going, yay! No, I mean, they burned Washington, D.C. The British burned Washington, D.C., and we say that we won. Don't know how that really. It's equates. America. It's how we win. <laughs> what? It's, so it's not celebrating that. It was written. You could to have celebrate. had a whole country bombed and destroyed. Like, don't worry about it. We won. It's. it's <laughs> it was. It was so naive. Well, it was written. Tchaikovsky wrote it to celebrate the uh, Russian defeat over the invading French forces in 1812 by Napoleon, um, which was which the Russians went back to that age-old strategy which they used in World War One, World War Two which is uh, we just keep sending people without weapons to run against the offenders to die until winter comes, and then everyone attacking dies in the cold, and then they retreat. Um, Makes sense. It's worked. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of where that came from. Um, So this was written to celebrate uh, the the defeat of the, the invading French, also to celebrate the uh, building of a cathedral in Moscow, um, and then also to celebrate the uh, celebration of the coronation of Alexander II. I think it was one of the anniversaries of it. Um, so he wrote it to include the church bells of the new cathedral and also to have the cannons that were going to be on, on electric timers. And this was in the late 1800s, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, the assassination of Alexander kind of put the kibosh on that. So the the was uh, premiere was delayed. Yeah. <laughs> and then so it was performed later, I think in 1883. But by then it was performed in a tent. Uh, the cathedral wasn't even done till the year after. So it didn't get the, the, the big kind of oomph it was going for. It was kind of like, it's like you plan to open up this giant amusement park but you guys have one really small Mary. You got the teacup. You got the teacup. <laughs> you got the, you got the teacup <laughs> ride going. And, and, and it doesn't work. And it, it doesn't work. <laughs> it just um, you just sit there and you it just spin, spinning around in circles. So so uh, this piece really didn't come into its own until I think it's '74 when the Boston Pops did it. And since then you've all heard it. So if and you guys ever see this thing on a um, on a classical lineup, yep. wherever just you go. are, just just go. It is it is almost always done with some kind of cannon. Don't worry, the cans aren't firing actual cannonballs. So if it's indoors, firing an actual cannonball is so much fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> it is. It's I know scary. you did that on the boats. Right? I, I've handled an inordinate amount of black powder and big guns uh, for for several years. I, there was a point where I couldn't go. I, handled, I don't think I'd ever heard that said. I handled about twenty five pounds of black powder a day. <laughs> I had for black powder and big guns. Well, I, I, you know those little puffer things at the airport that are meant to detect. I I couldn't for months. I couldn't go through without setting them off because, because they have black powder. 
gunpowder and everything I owned. 20, about 25 pounds a day was handling to pack our own charges. Really? Worked wow. on a boat with, with uh, big eight pound long guns, like the proper, <laughs> yeah. and we would just do these fake battle sails with other boats. So we'd go out and we'd just fire you know, a bunch of rounds of these. So it was, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a, a lot of fun. Big difference from uh, you know conducting orchestras, you know, very, very different lifestyles. But that's how we do. Uh, so we're going to send 1812 over chat, and now, now this, um, just again, by the way, this is a, this is much longer than anything else we've listened to, but it's worth the 15 minutes. It's yep. worth, it's worth, it's 15 minutes. So if you're on a drive and you're like going to work, this is your, this is what you're doing. And it's just offers so much musically and it's just, it's badass. It's one of those few episodes I said, it's just straight up badass. Let's give it to him. It's really is. So here's 1812 Overture by Tchaikovsky.
way to celebrate the new year in this epic fashion. I hope you like the cannons. Because they make everything better. They really do. Cannons make everything better. I, I kid you not, they really do. Because when you fire a cannonball out of what we had, <laughs> we, we had... We so wait, put it in context. So what's we? Like, you were on a the, you the were boat. The boat we were boat. on, uh, and we, you were not allowed to have the gun, the charge, and the... I'm not going to mention the name of this in case Coast Guard people are listening. Uh, and uh, projectile as well. So we had what were labeled as fishing weights, uh, which happened to be the exact same caliber as these big guns. So we would, um, we, as we were going off on transits, we would um, we'd go offshore, pack up with an extra large charge, throw in a fishing weight about, you know, yay big, size of it, like two fists, and then fire it off. And everyone always thinks that in the movies you see one big splash come out of the water when they miss, you know, and that's cannonball skip. So you see splash, and then you see splash, 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 splash. I mean, these things rocket across the water. How far? Like how far do they go? Do you know? Uh, accurate, depending on the gun at the time. If it didn't have any rifling bore, wow, we got way off class. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Uh, for like a carronade or like box to box, a pound of rifling bore <laughs> with an eight-pound long gun. So effective range would be half mile most if you were a really good gunner. And there was this point where they went from everyone was like, oh, gunning's an art. To what there was one uh, one admiral in the English Navy who said, "You guys are idiots." There's actually this stuff called science you can do and mathematics. And he started. He was the one who started doing the whole firing arcs and uh, and energy and the the physics behind it. Um, let's see, talk about classical music though and beer. They got uh, me really excited though. Those are things I have no so idea much about. fun to work with gunpowder <laughs> and science. Uh, yes, science. <laughs> uh, but we're coming to the end of the podcast, and of course, if you listen to the other episodes we've done so far, except for our mini episode, because we go to each other. I mean, it's just us, and we won't ever tell people the answers, our answers, until, until the final episode. The quiz. Hopefully uh, there will never be a final ne- episode. Well, anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to ask you a series of six questions. Six? Five? Six. Six questions. Yes, nailed it. Basically, what we're going to do, we're going to quiz Kevin from Rare Form Brewing Company. What we're going to do is I'll say yell the number, Matt says a question, Kevin, you say the first thing that comes to the top of your head. Is, you can't hesitate. <laughs> Are you ready? It's a lot of people use me the most. <laughs> <laughs> There's no right or wrong answer. It's purely an opinion piece. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, sure. Good enough. Number one. What is the least sexy instrument? Ah, uh, flute. Number two. That's a new one. Uh, what instrument do you wish that you played? Uh... Drums. Number three. I like. Uh, Which composer would you arm wrestle and why? Or composer or artist. Yeah, it could be 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 artist. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't give you the name of a composer. Or or even modern modern day musical artist. Justin Bieber. Well, let's let's just say Mozart. Mozart, Mozart, yeah. Any any particular reason why? Um, No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's a prick. Like that's it. a reason why. He's a prick. He's that a sounds like person. a great reason. He's, <laughs> he's a prick. He's a prick. And then uh, number four. All right. And this this isn't just classical music. This could be anything. What's gotcha. the most badass piece of music to you? Doesn't have to be like hard badass. It could be just like epic badass. It could be just what when you think of wow. What do you think? Uh, right now, the only thing first comes to my head is Yay Sayer. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Nice. I love those guys. Oh my, they're so good. Good call. Wait for the summer. It's my favorite yeah, song they do. Yeah, it's a great song. Such a great song. Put on your show too. I've never seen them. Well, there now, we go. That's a good answer. Yeah, now you think about that. Um, All right, number five. Here's where it gets uh, inventive. Nice. What uh, orchestral instrument is best 
suited for survival. In the wilderness. <laughs> in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Um, cello. Why? Right. You could, you could uh, use it for multiple things. It's big enough. You could, I don't know, sweep. You could push, stab, whatever. Love it. Yeah. So the stab is a big part of it. Yeah, the big end. Uh, yeah. some, someone once said that you could use it. You could use the bow hairs to make like a bow and arrow. You could oh, shoot absolutely. the bow. I like it. so many choices. And the last one, which has no relevance to the rest of them at It's all. a departure. Uh, what Muppet best describes you? Ooh. Uh, Beaker. Yes! Oh, yes! Awesome. <laughs> he's, he's, he's top two of my favorite. Yeah. Yes. Him, him, and, him and Animal. Animal, yeah. Animal's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Holy cow. Do you watch the Muppets, uh, the, the new uh, reboot on is it ABC? The Muppet Show? The Muppet, the Muppet Show, Show on, no, on ABC? I haven't seen it. There's They're, a whole TV series. Of, really? it's, it's similar to the, it feels like The Office, yeah. but it's with the Muppets. Oh, that's it's, awesome. It's like the old Muppet <laughs> Show, but the whole mockumentary. They, they oh, do yeah. the whole oh, yeah, check TV, the interview with the cameras yeah. thing, and everything else. The, they, had, they had Animal and Dave Grohl do a drum off oh, in the awesome. last episode. It was, it was like a 10 episodes cool. deep, something like that. Oh, they're more than that. They're more than that. Because they just hit their mid-season finale. Oh, Anyway. It's so good. Keith... But all great answers, by the way. That was excellent. Keith Barkwood. Keith Barkwood uh, wrote in this morning from all the way from Alaska. He just took five Bach to Bach episodes down off the inter- interweb, and the uh, it's gonna it's gonna see him on a, a long road trip back home to his wife Georgia and his kids. Um, what Keith? What did Keith? But, been, Keith answered to the survival question. Keith, first of all, Keith is probably. <laughs> far more qualified Qualifies. than myself to talk about wilderness survival. Keith was a... And if you're semi-qualified, I have no chance of survival. <laughs> yeah. I would die in the first day. Keith was a... I wear cardigans, only... okay? That's... <laughs> <laughs> Keith was a, was a presidential marine guard for Clinton. He, he lives in Alaska. He is as, as kind of uh, Paul Bunyan as they come. Um, he's brilliant. Uh, so... Was he Paul Bunyan-esque? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Paul Bunyan-esque. Absolutely. So, uh, so, so, so what, he, answered, he answer, responded to the survival question. He said, what instrument is best for survival? What, 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 what and the, uh, Keith said, and I quote, I have to say the grand piano is my choice for wilderness survival. Wires for snares, ivory to sharpen, a wooden box large enough to shelter in, rods to drive, pedals made into... I don't know what he wrote there. Wait, wait, wait. Let's see. What did it say? Rise drive pedals. Made uh, into... Oh, Adelaw. So, so uh, what he's talking about is the type of throwing spears that... Um, see, this is why I play cello and I work hard <laughs> I don't know what Adelaw is. So, if you, so that, they're, they're the... Um, so, Stone Age men uh, not only had spears, but they had those little uh, throwing assisters that, would, that you'd hold them in your hand, they'd run down your forearm, uh, and you'd kind of knock the spear into... The thrower, and that way you'd get extra kind of whip with the throw, so you could get extra distance and power. Um, I don't know that. Well, they, they, they don't teach that in music school. So. <laughs> they don't. They don't do that in music school at all. Um, but I uh, know Keith said the grand piano is the best, and that's actually think about it. You have the best bang for your buck. I like the the wire for snares as well. That's quite good. That's answer. pretty smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're dumb compared to Keith. So I Keith, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, so. Kevin, actually, those are great answers. We had that's, he, our, that's he, our first speaker. You, yeah, wow. yeah, and which we're, we're, we've been waiting for speakers. We told Griffin last episode to be scooter. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has been well. It's been an absolutely ace episode of Buck. It's been great. I'm so happy to have you here. And uh, this you. is a rare form. Wow, English rare form brewing company here in Troy, New York. 
Um, if you want any information about their beers, the permanent beers, their their seasonal beers, uh, their location, uh, taproom hours, merchandise, everything, go to rareformbrewing.com. And you guys are on Facebook? Are yes. You, is Instagram? Yeah, Instagram too. Uh, Rareform Brew Co. Brew Co. We're, we're gonna we're gonna follow. But if you are in the Albany area for for any time, whether you live here or whether you're just visiting through, this is worth a stop. Um, especially you're surrounded by some great local businesses, you can spend yeah. the time. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure being here. So I want to thank you. Yeah, for thanks for having us. This thank has you been guys. Eight. This has been fun. Absolutely, and the sun's coming up through these know, massive glass windows. It's a beautiful yeah. day. Beautiful yeah. day out, and it's it's December twenty sixth. Currently, well, but when this airs, December twenty eighth, no ninth. It'll be just before New Year's. New Hope Year's. Uh, you all now. You guys have some pieces you can put on at your uh, your New Year's parties. Um, we've put up our wish list for 2016. The guests we'd love to have on. Yeah. So if you can, if you can um, make that happen Yo-Yo for Ma, us, the On Trio. Um, I will marry all of you. Um, Only in Utah, I think you can make that happen. I'm willing to move. Okay. Um, so, but we want to say Happy New Year. Happy uh, New Year to all of you. You can uh, please follow us on uh, on the social media world. Um, and uh, Bakhtabak.com and we'll, everything. We'll see you in 2016. See you in 2016, guys. Okay, Kevin, cheers. thanks again. Yeah, cheers. 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 Thanks, thanks again, guys. guys. Tonight, should all